I'm so glad you're here today, and uh, we have a bunch of our teenagers and sponsors who are, like Alex, who was on the screen just now, they're down at Camp Genesis in Oklahoma, representing Christ and Connection Christian Church really well, serving God all week. I think it was like 15, 20 of them. So uh, we want to be praying for them. If you think about that, you can pray. That's where all our teenagers are today, and they're not here. A lot of them are. And I understand there's something else going on tonight. Is that true? And maybe where a lot of people are right now. That's why they're not here. They're already getting ready for the Blues game. I have been told that I will not have a job tomorrow if I don't do this. So let's go Blues. I expect you to be at least this enthusiastic when we sing the next song after the message as you were for the Blues, right? All right. So we're, we're in this belief series, like Alex said. It's a three-part series over the course of the year. So back in the winter, spring, we talked about the things that Christians believe. We called that next or, uh, believe doctrines. There's the things that everybody holds to. And, and the, the big idea that as we started that section is out of the Bible in Romans 8.29, where it says that for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. It's the whole idea, and it's the whole goal that God has in mind for you when you commit to Jesus, is that he wants you to become like Jesus, and not like a beard and long hair and all that. He really wants us to be like Jesus was, the way he treated people and the love that he had, the life that he lived, and it was just absolutely perfect, and that's what God is moving us towards, that in every situation we do the right thing for the right reason and in the right way. And so that first section, we went through all the beliefs, and these are the things that, that Jesus believed and, and he actually embodied. Now, in the fall, the third section is called Believe Virtues, and these are the kinds of things that Jesus embodied in his life, and there are virtues that we want to develop in our lives and there are things like love and joy and peace and humility. This second section, believe, practices, is the linkage between what we know and what we want to become. So what we're doing here is we want to, to, we want to believe like Jesus believed, and we want to act like Jesus acted so that we can become like Jesus is. And uh, so there are a few things you can do to help you get the most out of this time. One of them, Alex, referred to this book. This is amazing. Uh, so if you want to start into reading this, we're on chapter 11. There's a lot of scripture. There's some teaching. This is just $5. It's, we're giving you a great deal because it's not really that much. It's a lot more than that. So there's a few out there for sale still. You can get one after church. If we don't have any more and we run out, just tell them you want one and we'll have more next week. So that's a good thing. Uh, we, a lot of groups take the, a break during some of the connect groups, but there are some groups that are meeting. That's another way because you can take what we talk about here and then you get to go to group and talk about it yourself. And you can ask questions, you can dive deeper into that. Another thing that would be really good for you is just to be here on Sunday morning. You all get a gold star today. You're here. So that's great uh, because when we go through this, we're unlocking the subject for every day. And if you miss it, and you can watch the podcast later. You can go to iTunes and you can listen to it or you can go to our church website. You can actually watch a video of the message or the entire service. Welcome to all who are watching this later. Uh, it's a great way to stay connected if you do have to miss a Sunday. But man, if you can make a commitment to be here, I know that you'll get a lot out of it. So today we're talking about the practices. This is this next Alex said eight weeks, and then we really take 10 weeks to talk about what is it that Christians do. And this is the linkage between what we believe and what we know up here, and then eventually what flows out into our lives. And maybe use an analogy, it might make sense to you. Do you know what a healthy blood pressure is? Do you know what your healthy resting heart rate should be? You know where your blood sugar should be, right? You, you probably know what healthy weight is for your height and your body mass index and all that. You probably know that. Does that mean you're actually healthy because you know all of the things for yourself? Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to be, and this is what I actually am. What's the linkage between knowing and actually being? It's things like exercise and eating right, getting enough sleep, don't be too stressed. In the same way, 
it's one thing to know this, and it's another thing to actually be living this out. And I've said this before, I, I think if you know this much Bible, but you're doing this much Bible, you're ahead of the person who knows this much about God in the Bible, could just teach a class all day long, but they're only doing this much of what they know. That's where we want to transition from just knowing something up here to bringing it into our hearts and living it out in our lives. So we're going to be talking about practices that help us do that. It's like the exercise and the sleeping right and the eating well. It's things like prayer. There's, there's nothing shocking here about what I'm about to say. Prayer, Bible study, uh, spending time in community with other Christians, being focused or single-minded, as the Bible would call it, totally surrendering yourself to God, giving your resources, offering your time to God, sharing your faith with other people. And then what we're talking about today, it's foundational, is, is worship. And that's a practice that we're going to spend some more time talking about. So uh, some of you probably, as I look around, uh, I think some of you are going to immediately know who this is. Others of you are going to be like, I don't know who that is at all. Have you heard of Ray Charles? Yeah, yeah I can see the age delineation right now. <laughs> Uh, he passed away a little while back. Before he passed away, he gave a final interview. Uh, before I tell you what he said in this interview, for those of you who don't know who Ray Charles is, let me just give you a little sample. Now, some of you just want the music to keep. Don't preach. Just turn the music back on. And some of you are going to be like, man, that's pretty good. I want to go to Spotify and catch that. Well, Ray Charles, he's a musician. He's blind. He's a piano player, great musician. Before he passed away, he, uh, he gave this interview where he talked about in his whole life, he really didn't have much faith in God. As a younger man, he said, I just didn't understand all the hooping and hollering I saw going on in churches. It just seemed weird to me. But then he, as he reflected and as he was approaching death and he knew it, he said, I've been thinking about faith again. And it, it's occurred to me that maybe it's not so much that God needed to hear all the hooping and hollering, but that maybe we need to do that. And that we need to praise something or someone greater than ourselves. And I really hope that Ray actually came to a place of faith in God. Uh, and it sounds like he was moving that way. And I think he was on to something there. This is so important for us. If you think about it, really, everybody worships something. If you're a human being, that means you breathe, and it means you eat, and it means you sleep, and it means you worship. And you may or may not agree with me, just, think, just go with me and think about it. We might even use different words for worship. We might describe it with another word. But at the bottom line, if it's something that you're completely devoted to, and it's something you invest a lot of energy and effort and time into, that's worship. Everybody worships something. The only question is, what is it that we are going to worship? And by the way, if you've got a worship folder... You're welcome to just follow along, and there's some places where you can write some stuff down. And if you don't agree with something I'm saying, just write it down, and we can talk about it later. I'd love to have continued this discussion. I love something that C.S. Lewis said about Americans. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, Mere Christianity. He's a British guy back several decades ago. Uh, he said this about us, about Americans. Uh, when people are forbidden to honor a king, like in America, they honor millionaires, athletes, film stars instead, even famous prostitutes or gangsters. For the spiritual nature, like the bodily nature, will be served. You deny it food, it will gobble poison. 
He's just saying, you know, everybody's going to worship something. And if you don't worship God, you'll end up worshiping something else. We have this innate need to just worship. It's part of how we're wired. And we worship something. A multimedia, a multimedia producer, Mark Joseph, said this. He's out in Hollywood. He said, the next time I see people with their eyes closed and hands raised to God, and I think it's strange, I'm going to remind myself that the desire to worship and praise is a universal one. There's nothing strange about it at all. In one way or another, whether it's in church or an Obama rally or a NASCAR race or a Motley Crue reunion concert, most of us do it. We worship in all things being equal. I'd say God of the universe is more deserving of our praise than Nikki Six or Jeff Gordon. Nikki Six is Motley Crue and Jeff Gordon's NASCAR. For those of you who are like, who is that? What they're saying, C.S. Lewis and Ray Charles and, and Mark Joseph is that we all worship and sometimes we worship the wrong things. That gets misdirected. And uh, they're reflecting something that's actually from the Bible. The Apostle Paul talked about this 2,000 years ago. If you have a Bible, you can look for Romans chapter 1. It's where we're going to just start off with this thought of what happens when we don't worship God. And Paul just talks about this. We're going to start down here in verse 20, 21, I think it is. Yeah. So it says here, um, you know, people knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And here's what happened. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles. So it just says, like, God just said, fine. He abandoned them over to that. And then you go down to verse 25. and says, so they traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And this teaching is really saying our biggest problems in humanity begin when we stop worshiping God that you can trace everything that's wrong with our universe and what's wrong with us and our relationships with the fact that this need to worship has gone somewhere other than the God of the universe who created everything. And that even tells us what the pathway back to a good, healthy life is. It's when you turn around and start worshiping God again. In fact, that's a key idea for today if you want to write that down. I worship God for who he is and what he's done for me. I need to worship something. And when I look at the God of the universe and I think about what he is like, and when I think about what he has done and what he promises to do, I'm going to worship him. Now, this may not surprise you. Over and over and over, the Bible calls on us, people, to worship God. Everybody. Like over in the Old Testament, Psalm 29, 1 and 2, it says, Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And you go over to Psalm 95, it's repeated again. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he's our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock that is under his care. If you would only listen to his voice today. You go over to the New Testament, over to Hebrews, it's towards the end of your Bible. And this is written explicitly to Christians now. Listen to this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a what? A consuming fire. I don't know if that's one of the ways you picture God, but, you know, like in Timothy, it says that God dwells in unapproachable light. 
It's amazing when you think about who God is and what he's done. God alone is worthy of that thing that we call worship, that ultimate dedication of your entire life. And we give it to so many lesser things, but God alone is the one that should be receiving that from us. And there's, let's just be honest, there are a lot of people out of, what is it, six, seven billion people on the planet, there are a lot of people who don't worship God or acknowledge his place in their life, but that's not always going to be how things are. If you were to find Philippians in your Bible, you may have heard this before. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, therefore God elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor, and he gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, yeah, right now, not everybody worships God. It's not like it should be. That goes along with God giving you a free will and a choice to do whatever you want. There's going to come a day when that's not true anymore. There will be a day in our future where the only people who are still in this life that God has created are the ones who have willingly chosen to honor Jesus. There will come a day, though, that everyone, whether they've acknowledged God in their life or not, will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Everybody's going to bow. That means even Satan at some point in the future is going to bow before Jesus. Now, does he mean it when he does it? But will he acknowledge that Jesus is Lord? Everyone will. And so this is why we're talking about worship as the first, most foundational practice for Christians, because this is the thing that we've got to get right before we get anything else right in our life. And it's amazing how many good benefits flow out of getting this right, that God is the proper place in your life. You put God first, and it just so many healthy, good things come into your life. And when we choose to worship God for who he is and what he's done, there's health and there's vitality. And this is so important. So to me, it's just immediately like, okay, so how do I do that? How do I worship God? It's a good question. It's a very practical question. I want to be very practical with you today. And I will tell you this, and I want to challenge you a little bit. Worship is much bigger than we tend to think of it. Here's what I mean by that. We often, and this is easy to do, I even find myself sometimes slipping into this language, we think of worship as going to church, right? I'm going to worship. We even narrow it down to a certain portion of what we do when we're at church. Theologian Daniel Block said this, he was, uh, sometime back, he was going to Kansas City, flying in to preach every Sunday in a church for like uh, 16 weeks. And he had three services every, every Sunday at that church. And uh, one of the Sundays before he got up to preach, the guy was leading worship, the worship minister said, in a moment, we're going to continue worshiping, but first, I want to read a verse out of Colossians in the Bible. Daniel said, not throwing the worship minister under the bus, but as though the only thing we were doing that day that was worship was the singing, that reading the scripture among us wouldn't be part of worship. And again, I'm not trying to criticize anybody, but how often do we think of worship and the first thing that we think of is singing? Now, is singing worship? Yeah. Is that all that worship is? It'd be like saying that hockey is ice skating. Do you ice skate when you play hockey? Obviously. Is all ice skating hockey? Maybe it should be, but it's not. And is all hockey, isn't it more than that? There's like fighting too, right? I've, I've watched enough hockey to figure that out. There's more to worship than just singing songs. And here's the problem with thinking that it is. Some of us, and I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody, some of us go, well, worship is singing, and I don't really like to sing. I feel kind of odd, and I don't have a great voice, therefore I just must not like to worship. 
What a tragedy to think that you don't like to worship or that you can't worship or that you're not good at worship simply because you're not that good at singing. It's more than that. Let me show you what the Bible says worship is. Remember, we were just in, in Romans chapter 1, and Paul said the, the, the reason everything's so wrong in the world is people are worshiping false gods and idols, and they're worshiping themselves even. He said, well, if you go over to Romans 12, he says, well, here's what we should be doing when we worship the one true God. And it's at the very end of this verse that he tells us what worship is. Just listen to this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be living in holy sacrifices, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. All right, so what did he say? He said, this is the way to worship God. What did he say to do? You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to think about it for a second. He wants us to offer our bodies, literally our lives, to him as a living sacrifice. Now, that sounds a little bit like a maybe an oxymoron, how can you be a living sacrifice? But that's what he says, in light of what God has done for you, in light of what God has promised to do for you, in light of who God is, offer yourself, everything that you are, your whole life to him. And I say it this way, I don't know who first said this, but I like it, worship is an entire way of life, not just an hour on Sunday morning. It's so much more than this. It is this, but it's more than that. So if you, this reflects back to, um, we're, I don't think any of us are Jewish. If you are, maybe you can just affirm what I'm saying. But in the old Jewish system of worship where there was a temple in Jerusalem, people would bring sacrifices to the temple. So what was that? Then they bring animals to the temple, and then they would kill the animal and put it on the burning altar, and that would be a sacrifice to God. And that's the image that Paul is calling to our minds. That's how we worship God. We take our own bodies and we sacrifice them to God, but in no way do you want to take this literally. God is not expecting us to kill ourselves as a worship to him. He says we're living sacrifices. You give yourself so completely over to God that it's no longer you. You're really literally saying, I'm taking my hands off the steering wheel. You get to say what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Again, it's still my free will, my choice. God's not coercing you. He's not going to make you do anything. He could have already done that if he wanted to. What he loves is when people with their free will voluntarily choose to submit to his will. And it just goes on in verse 2 of Romans 12. It says, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. There's no way you're going to go wrong doing what God wants you to do with your life. It's, it's a great thing. So then you think about that. Well, what does it actually look like to worship God with my whole life? There's another thing that Paul wrote, different letter in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Hey, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life. You know, don't, don't go that far. Instead, here's what you need to do. Be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks to everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's worship. God, I'm going to give you my strength. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you the, the best part of my mind. I'm going to think good thoughts. I'm going to think your thoughts. I'll give you an analogy of what this might look like. Um, you ever go to get a greeting card for somebody at the store? I've heard a comedian talk about how the difference between men and women get cards. And I'm, I know this is generalizing, but I think there's some truth to this because I've experienced it. I'll go in to get a card for my kids or my wife, and there'll be a lady in front of me taking like 14 days to find the right card. And she, I know because I'm standing there waiting my turn to get in there just because she's like, oh, this one? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll keep this and I'll look at this one. And, and then finally she gets out of the way. I'm like, yep, this one. You see a guy do that, right? And they'll go, wait, flips it over. I'm not paying $17 for a card. Let's find another. Okay, this one. And, and they're out. That's a, the difference right there. 
I don't care how long you spend looking for a card, but isn't it something just, shouldn't there be at least something in you that says, this card says what I'd like to say just better. It's not like, okay, I've checked the box, I got the card. I, you want there to be something heartfelt behind it, even if you didn't actually write the words. And it's the same way with worship. God doesn't want us to just go, I checked the box. Wow, I made it to 51 out of 52 Sundays. I worshiped God. Well, did you mean it? Was there anything in you that was truly letting your mind meditate on God for just a little bit, to be gratitude in your heart towards him, to think about what maybe I could offer to God in terms of literally my, my money through the offerings or my time so that I'm going to serve him and I'm going to use some of the things I'm good at to help other people. Did you do anything to give God something that was heartfelt and meaningful? And that's the thing that if you're ever reading the Bible and you're puzzled at why Jesus was so hard on people called Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law, uh, you wouldn't be the only one. So back when Jesus would be so critical of these guys, some of his own followers would be like, Jesus, you're offending them. These are the, the godly people. We've grown up being told that they're like this close to God. And Jesus says, well, I am God, and they're not this close to me. They're, they look like they are. They, they can quote scripture all day long. And man, do they pray long prayers, and they write their scriptures on their arm, and they look so godly, and they make sure you know how much they put in the offering. But Jesus says, I know what's on the inside. They look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of greed and corruption and lust. It's just a mess. And what he would say to them and did say to them is, look, I'm appreciative that you're doing all the things on the surface, but let's get the heart right too. Let's pay more attention to justice and mercy and holiness and righteousness so that your inside matches your outside and so that everything's consistent and it's a gift to God. And uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about worship, about how if you find it difficult to worship God, one of the things you can do is just spend some more time learning about what God is like. It's a daily practice for a Christian to read the Bible and to pray. The more you spend time getting to know God, you will never be disappointed. You'll find more and more reasons to praise him. Here's another thing you might want to keep in mind. This is out of Colossians chapter 3. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And uh, some of you are like, hey, you can just stop right there. Because for you, you are so tuned into teaching of the Bible. You love to go to connect group. You love the message. You're like, can we just have longer messages? Actually, probably nobody says that, but in my dreams they do. But that's what Paul's saying. Some of us just really resonate with reading the Bible and teaching the Bible and listening to the Bible and discussing the Bible. But then he goes on and he says, we're going to do this through psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And some of you are like, yeah, exactly. Why can't we just have a whole service of singing? Because that's what you love, and that's where you resonate. Like, shorter sermons, more singing. But Paul's saying it's a balance. When we worship God and we do gather together like this, we're not just focusing towards God. We're encouraging and teaching others, both through the songs and the words that we sing. And I hope you pay attention to the words as we sing. Because there's some deep thoughts there that can maybe, like a greeting card, put some things that you're feeling into words better than maybe you could for yourself and things that will stick with you through the week. And then for those of you who really love this, take all the notes you want, argue with me after church, or tell me, hey, I think you got this wrong. That's great. I love that too. And, but then he goes on and says this in verse 17, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, that gratitude, thanks to God the Father through him. You got all these things together. And I want to wrap this up and just say, what do we do with this practically? 
Because what I've been trying to help us think about is that worship is so much bigger than maybe we've considered it to be before. And if it's something that we should actually do, it's not just something theoretical up here, then how do we actually live this out in our lives? I found this very interesting. Back in, I think it was February or March, there's a big poll taken in, in the UK, in England, the best use of a Sunday morning. And the responses came back, and you can guess what some of them are, because it's going to be the same thing in America or the UK. The top answer, number one answer was, I want to sleep until late morning and be awakened by the smell of somebody cooking breakfast. Anybody else say that's like the best Sunday for me? Yeah, which means somebody else had to get up earlier to make your breakfast. With this. Uh, the other, some people said the best use of a Sunday is to uh, just putter around for a while. Some people said it's a cuddle. I don't know what that means. Somebody want to explain it to me after church? Uh, some people, one out of ten said the best Sunday is in the pub. So there you go. Uh, there's just like reading, gardening. Do you know what did not even make the list at all? Time and worship in church. Not trying to throw our brothers in England and sisters in England under the bus, but nobody's really, and that's just where they are culturally right now. Nobody's really thinking about the best use of a Sunday, among other things, is to go and honor the, the one who created me and honor the one who saved me. And I'm not trying to compare America to England, but should we not be at least a little bit careful that we don't allow ourselves to drift that we maybe even challenge ourselves to talk to friends and neighbors who don't necessarily know about God the way that you do and invite them to incorporate God into their lives and let God become more important to them and let them see the blessing that you get out of that? You know, there's something about being together that's just so powerful, which is why people actually paid money to go down to the Enterprise Center and watch a blues game when the blues weren't even there, right? How many... The place was packed. We were there, like, was it Thursday night? It was, because there's just something about being in the place together. And that's, I know it's not a blues game on Sunday, but isn't there something powerful about just being together with other like-minded people, worshiping the same gods, believing the same thing, moving in the same direction? And my family and I, we were, oh, like a week or two ago, we went out to a nice restaurant. We were celebrating some stuff, had a gift card. And I just was sitting there enjoying the whole time. We were telling stories and laughing and eating good food. And just like, man, I just, I want to take this in. I don't want to miss that. And that's how I feel about you all. I don't want to miss this. I really do genuinely enjoy being with you. I hope the feeling is mutual. And there's just not, God bless you if you're watching this on the video later. There's just not anything quite like being together though, right? And I know that there are times when we can't, and I just will encourage you again, I don't know who said this first, but if I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'll be at church. That's a great commitment to make. There are times when we can't be. And, uh, but let's make a commitment that we're going to be together to worship on Sunday. But then it's also bigger than that, right? It's my whole life. Can you find ways through the week to engage with this and in prayer and listen to some good godly music that directs your heart toward God, to invite God into every moment of your life? Because here's the thing. Every single moment of your life can become an opportunity to worship when you invite God into it with gratitude. When you're in the wood shop doing what you love and God has made you to make things and you're just good at that. When you're playing with your kids and you just have that sense of, man, they're just so filled with joy, and they're being good right now. Take that moment to worship God. When you're reading a book, or when you're in solitude and silence, can you worship God at the beach? Can you worship God in the woods? Sure, and some of us do. My wife feels sorry for me. I'm like more of a, I kind of like being by myself, and she's like, solitude would be great if I could bring a few friends along. 
And maybe you're like that, or maybe you're more of the introvert too. Whatever moment it is in your life, find something about it, invite God into it with gratitude, and that's worship. Why don't we try to embrace this habit together? Let me pray for us right now. Father, I thank you for all the good that you're doing in my life and doing in this church family. You're just so good to all of us. And we welcome you, and we welcome what you're doing. Will you please lead us to just give everything that we have to you? Help us in every way to make you first priority. Uh, we, We are so in awe of the love you have for us, the sacrifice Jesus you made for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.